everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, and anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety. Um, thank you all so much for joining me for this episode. Um, for those of you who are new, this is a question and answer based podcast. If you have a question for a future episode, would like me to discuss, pontificate about um, your question or topics related to your question, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the submit a question link, and you can send me a message over there. Um, you can also send me a message over at uh, Instagram. So I've talked about this before, and this is exactly why it's relevant. So um, audio questions go to the top of the list. So if you send me an audio question, if you go over to, and this is the easiest way, I think, go over to Instagram, send me a DM, press the little microphone button at the bottom and record your question. That was what Raymond did today. And that is the question that's going up today. I think he sent it to me last week or the week before, whatever, but it's coming up. Uh, you can also record your question. You can send it over to questions at Fearcast Podcast or send me the uh, uh, the recording uh, link over to uh, or over, over through the website, uh, through the email at uh, uh, fearcastpodcast.com. Either way, however you want to. And you know what? As you've known from past episodes, text questions still get up. They still get answered. So questions will still be answered. And, and also, thank you all so much for your bravery and for your willingness to put up your question. This podcast thrives on your questions. So I don't make any of these up. I'm not asking people to send in fictitious questions. These are real listener questions. Um, and, and again, that's what's important about this podcast, I think, is that it's real questions from real people. And um, I'm just doing my best to try to uh, help point you in the right direction as best I possibly can. So um, perhaps that's a little too much uh, gushing. Anyways, ugh, it's, a, it's, a, it's too much for me even. Ugh. Well, um, I'm recording this on the Sunday before American Thanksgiving. If that is something that you celebrate, I hope that you are buckling up for a good time or buckling up for an awkward time. However, your family uh, or, or a group of people celebrate uh, with awkwardness or with uh, the freedom from awkwardness or that that nice like familial awkwardness that you pretend like is totally fine totally fine. Except you're, you know, from the outside of the family, you're like you married in or you're dating someone and you're like, this family is weird and they don't see it. Um, yeah. I hope you enjoy that kind of Thanksgiving too. So, um, I don't know which one mine is going to be. Well, I'm in my family. I'm going to go sp uh, go spend time with my family, but we'll see how awkward it, it is. So there, there is that. Another thing I was thinking about. So I know I've drawn a lot of comparisons between um, my chronic back pain, it would seem, and um, mental health. What I've discovered is, and well, maybe what I'm discovering, well, not like I discovered it, I am seeing the reality that sometimes the patient knows best. Now, hear me out. So, I hear this a lot is, you know, well, we've talked about scripting. So scripting is going to be um, a, an exercise where you write out your biggest fear in first person, present tense. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but that's the most common. And you reread that story over and over and over again. And the goal is that initially you write it, your anxiety is off the charts, and then you continue to read it and the anxiety starts to come down. You've heard me talk about it a lot. Some people love them. It is the linchpin of their recovery. So... It's some people love them and some people just say, 
they do nothing for me. And yet, when people say they do nothing for me, um, their therapist just keeps hammering home, go do scripts. Now, I think it's worth doing. If you've never done them before, try it out. They could be helpful. They might not be helpful. And that, that, that's okay. It's the, the reason I bring this up is that sometimes a tool that can be incredibly helpful for the vast majority of people is not going to be as helpful for you, even though it is wildly helpful for the vast majority of people. In those cases, it's important to bring it up to your therapist that perhaps this ain't working for you. And it's not because you're broken or you're more broken than the other person. It's that this exercise just might not click with you. And that's okay. The reason I bring this up is that, you know, with my back pain nonsense, it was getting better. And then it got worse. And I talked to my physical therapist. And it's like, oh, here's what you got to do. Um, and he gave me this exercise and it's moderately helpful. It, you know, it, it does okay. But I find that just doing a basic stretch is helping me a lot more than this very specific exercise that he recommended. Now, don't get me wrong. He's also recommended a ton of other exercises, all of which are, have been very helpful for me in my physical recovery. But this one just isn't quite doing it. Now, I, he's very flexible when I talk with him and I'll say, you know, hey, I, uh, you said this, do this one and it doesn't work. He's, he'd say, great, then don't do it. I think that there's a mindset that that you all can have in your recoveries that if you find there's a type of exercise that just works really well for you for some reason, or another exercise that just doesn't work for you, do the ones that work for you. Now, of course, being honest with yourself that you're not saying this thing doesn't work for you so you can get out of the hard thing, even though it's helpful, maybe in the long run. Because what we don't want to do is to shortchange ourselves or to um, basically kind of screw ourselves over by saying, you know, I don't want to do this one thing. I'll do this other thing, um, even though it's either compulsive or just neutral and not even helping so that you can get out of feeling dis uh, discomfort. I'm actually telling you. So in, in a, again, physical health is not the same as mental health, but they're parallels. So I'm just trying to draw that parallel between the two. Um, the exercise that I'm doing, just the basic stretching, it actually hurts a heck of a lot more than the exercise that my guy gave me. And it is more helpful in the long run. Of course, I'm going to, you know, I, I talk with him about it and, and run things by him. Um, so keep that in mind. Again, have a conversation with your therapist if there are things that work for you, things that don't work for you. But um, this is, it's a two-way conversation with you and your therapist in trying to figure out what's going to be best for you and your recovery. All right, that's enough of yammering for me. Um, let's jump into this question from Raymond. Hi, Kevin. I've been diagnosed with OCD, and I... My OCD over the years has had many different themes. Um, I feel like I've quote unquote beaten all of them. Um, I'm able to have the thought like maybe there's glass in my food and just say, yeah, maybe there is, whatever. Um, but over the last couple of years with the pandemic and I had a couple of deaths in the family and my mom had a stroke, um, my health anxiety has gotten really bad and it's focused on my heart. 
um, specifically with COVID and the COVID vaccine. Um, I really uh, stressed out about whether or not to get the vaccine because I heard that it could cause heart problems and COVID can cause heart problems. Um, ultimately, I did get the vaccine. And then after I got the vaccine, um, the first two rounds were perfectly fine. I was totally good. The I got a booster and a couple days later I had a massive panic attack. I went to the ER because I thought I was having a heart attack and coincidentally this all came after reading a whole bunch about how dangerous the vaccine is online, which I realize now was a terrible idea. Um, and I, uh, the doctors cleared me, said I was totally fine. I um, wore a heart monitor for a month. They cleared me for that, said I was totally fine. So the, the overwhelming evidence was that I do not have a heart problem. Everything was fine. I just had a panic attack. Um, since then, I have had anxiety anytime my heart rate gets elevated. Whether or not it is a positive experience, if I'm just excited, if I'm exercising, um, or if I'm nervous for a meeting, or if whatever it is that gets my heart rate up, if I notice my heart rate at all, even if I'm just sitting on the couch and I notice my heart rate, I just instantly thrown into anxiety. I think I'm dying. I think it's the end of the world. Um, I am constantly checking my heart rate. I uh, don't know how to stop doing that because um, I, I understand that I should stop doing it. I just don't know how uh, because it, 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 I get so freaked out. Um, so any advice that you have uh, for something like this, it feels especially uh, difficult because I know that I should be accepting uncertainty and uh, this, this feels like something that is very, very impossible to be certain about. How do you know if you have a heart issue? Um, you really don't because maybe yesterday I didn't. Maybe today I do. Like, I don't know. Um, I take reasonably good care of myself. I uh, eat well. I don't smoke. I don't... Uh, I don't do any of that stuff, but I still uh, just can't ever shake that feeling that, oh, if I raise my heart rate too high or something, I'm going to have a heart attack, have a stroke, die, whatever it is. Um, thanks for any advice that you have in advance. All right, Raymond. Thank you so much for that question. Again, he sent that question over at um, over at Instagram. I'm Fearcast Podcast over there. It's spelled just like it sounds. Uh, go check me out over there. Um, uh, I, what is it? Like me? Follow me? Follow me? It's that it. You don't have to like me. That's fine. But um, follow me over there. I post some stuff every now and again. Um, I have. I need to be better at posting my BFRB stuff. Um, but things came up. Anyways, let's get on to Raymond's question. So. Raymond, you've got a great, great question. I, um, it's um, well. First off, I should say um, I'm sorry that you are having to go through it. It sucks. It's no fun, um, and you aren't the first person I've I've heard this obsession about. And I think there's a lot of other people who have this or a similar sort of question. I mean, gosh, having this this worry about your heart and then it impacting getting treatment for something that could be helpful because of this obsession. So. I think that that can impact a lot of people in a lot of maybe di different areas, or maybe, you know, your obsession is about one thing, but it's preventing you from getting the job that you want, because you're afraid of what might happen at that job. Um, 
so there's there's a lot of different ways that it can present um, in this which is this terrible way that OCD tends to take um, take life from people. So let's jump into this. So I, I heard kind of four main things. Um, I'm going to try to just tackle each of those and be relatively quick about this. So one of the first things you said was you don't know how to stop ruminating or panicking about your heart rate. So. I hear this a lot from folks is, you know, I, I don't know how to stop ruminating. I don't know how to stop doing compulsions. So it's important to remember that compulsions are, are, are intentional. They are things that you do. Remember as a, as the basic, um, kind of a, a rule of thumb for obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are things that increase anxiety. Compulsions are things that reduce anxiety and compulsions are things that we actively do. The intrusive thoughts, the obsession themselves, those are passive. The compulsion, whether mental or physical, is intentional and effortful. So there's something that you are doing that is compulsive, that is within your control. It's important in this to also acknowledge, though, that that we can get into these habits, this just kind of um, rote process, a rote responses to things. And I mean, to a certain degree, that's kind of the OCD cycle, right? Stimulus X happens, we, we do response Y, right? So when that system is happening, we can be aware, you know what? There is a thing that is happening here that I see that I'm triggered by something and that I do something, whether it's mental or it's physical, but I have control over that in some way. But you're saying, man, Kevin, I don't know how to stop ruminating or panicking about, about my heart rate. So this is where I think mindfulness can become a, a really important element. Now, first off, um, the work of Michael Greenberg, I've had him on the podcast twice. He's been on a number of other things. His website is fantastic. And his whole thing is talking about stopping rumination, stopping the mental compulsive process. So I would really encourage you to check out his website, check out the stuff he's talking about on how we can identify when we're having thoughts and when and, and what we're doing that's that is compulsive, that is actively engaging with it. So he 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 will talk about letting go of of solving the problem. So he kind of he'll talk about in the examples, you know, when when uh, you're solving a mental math problem, and someone says stop the math problem or stop trying to solve the math problem, we don't continue to solve the math problem. Um, so there's an element of saying I, I, there's this effort I'm doing, but I'm going to let go of it. Now there there are there are going to be a lot of different perspectives on this, and I think that you know there are a ton of people who have benefited from that that mentality. I think what can be really helpful in this is one to notice when this process is happening for yourself. Be, begin to start calling yourself out for when you notice your active ruminating and active mental compulsions. I kind of think about this as a fork in the road. Once you notice that you're doing it, because sometimes, again, these things are rote. These things are, are, are uh, uh, automatic sometimes. But once you're aware that you're doing something unhelpful, we then have a choice are we going to continue to actively engage with it? Now, actively engaging with it, not that, you know, it shows up every now and then again in the back of our mind, or, you know, we get flashes of things that can be passive thoughts that just kind of happens. But I'm talking about the part where we are putting uh, psychic energy into it, mental energy into it, right? That's where we say, I'm going to make this left turn, and I'm going to go do something 
else with my mental energy. And that might be doing a different internal process. That might be instead of going through the ruminating, which might be being frustrated at it, trying to disprove that your heart is messed up or that you're going to have a heart attack, um, trying to remind yourself of all the times the doctors have said that you've been healthy, etc. But instead, to take a step back, and this is kind of an enact perspective, take a step back and say, oh, I'm noticing I'm having this thought, kind of watching your mind like a movie theater. Hey, I see all this is happening. Oh, man, I notice my anxiety is just off the charts right now. Oh, I feel my heart rate uh, bumping. Oh, man, I have this thought in my head about, um, about my heart rate. So we can take a step back. And what we're trying to do in all of this is just breaking the cycle, right? You said when you notice your heart, you can't stop ruminating. You think about your heart, you hear things about your heart, whatever it is that's the trigger, all of a sudden this process happens. We're just trying to interrupt that cycle and trying to break it in any sort of way. Now, another thing you can do with that is to say, I'm going to, instead of doing this right now, I'm going to pour my energy into something else that's more meaningful to me. And I'm going to go call up a friend. I'm going to go send some work emails out. I'm going to go do the dishes. I'm going to go write an article for work. I don't know what you do, but point is, I'm going to go to have this anxiety, but I'm going to put my mental energy into something that's more beneficial and um, uh, worthwhile rather than engaging in this process. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to knock out the thought. In fact, it, it's, if it is knocking out the thought, you're probably engaging in something called thought suppression. And I know that there are schools of thought that would say that any redirection of mental energy is probably avoidance or thought suppression. However, I, I, I think if, if the intention is not to shut down the thought, but is instead to reallocate energy elsewhere and reallocate thought in a different direction, a more beneficial direction that is not, you know, reassurance, etc. I think that can be a better use of your time and a more functional way to live with the reality that you and I are going to get triggered by just stuff. So I think that might be a process to start looking into. Um, Something you can look into as well might be, um, uh, oh no, I'm going to forget the name of it now. This is, it's funny that I'm forgetting it. it. Now I remember. It's an attention training, of course, because I have no attention whatsoever. But that might be something worth looking into. Google that. All right. Um, the next thing you says is, I, I, or you said is, I should be accepting uncertainty. I'm hearing that should beating yourself up for, I, I should be, man, I, I see all these posts, I see all these things on Instagram, or all these articles that talk about accepting uncertainty, leaning to uncertainty, should be accepting it. We can't should ourselves. It's hard. It's scary. Because sometimes when we say I need to accept the uncertainty, it feels scary to then say, wow, I'm going to be uncertain about whether or not I'm going to have a heart attack and die. It sounds really scary, and that's there's a part of our brain, a biological part of our brain that says, don't be uncertain about that. Be certain. Be confident. You should know, because if there's a problem, you should solve it, right? <coughs> so I get that. So instead of saying, I should be beating yourself up, practicing, or should be accepting uncertainty, you can say, instead, I'm going to begin practicing uncertainty. And practicing uncertainty is, is, is part of what I talked about in the first point, is saying, I'm not going to get this answer. I'm not going to go seek out this answer or go down my rumination process again, which is likely there to give me reassurance. Instead, 
I'm going to go do something else. And in this process, I'm going to let myself not know. And you can intentionally insert lines there of saying, I'm not going to know. And say, gosh, it feels really scary, but for right now, I'm going to go do something else. For right now, I'm going to spend my energy on something else. You can take it to the next level with that and practicing uncertainty can say, you know, maybe. Because maybe can mean, you know, yes, in the affirmative, right? Maybe I will have it, but maybe I won't have a heart attack. It's ultimately saying for right now in this moment, I don't know. I don't. So I'm going to practice not knowing globally, and we're going to wait. Now, I think that's something that can be helpful with this is stuff from the um, ICBT, the Inference-Based Cognitive Behavioral Therapy School. Um, and this is where we reflect back on maybe some, some points of like, where, where did this fear come from? How is this fear kind of ma- maintained? But I would also say that we're, we can practice and trust what your doctors have said. Because I hear what you're saying. And then you said, man, but all right, my doctor said that I, I, you know, my heart was fine. But what if that was yesterday and not today? Right? You're right. You're right. Is that, you know, maybe it, it did switch. But also maybe it doesn't switch. Maybe it didn't switch yesterday because you're having that worry about every single moment. Well, what we really want to do in, in that, and by the way, that, that question of, you know, my doctor said yesterday, because we could say, all right, my doctor said yesterday that my heart was fine and my health is relatively fine. We could say, great. And that can feel very reassuring. And then all of a sudden, OCD jumps in and says, yeah, but come on, man, it could switch, right? Maybe that was the, that, the results on the test, or maybe it was a false positive or false negative, whichever one it is in this case. Um, or again, maybe all of a sudden, you know, you slept last night, super weird, and then it turned your, your, your heart upside down and it's, it's all bad. Okay, maybe, maybe that's what happened. But what happens is, is that your brain then said, oh, here's this new speculative question. Here's this new possibility. We never considered this. Now, yeah, your doctor said yesterday that, that um, you know, things were, things were fine. But instead, throw all of that out. And let's now trust this hypothetical, very specific, very, very uh, um, catastrophic uh, potential, right? It's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. It's not a doctor's result that said, yes, something did change. It's saying maybe it did change. But again, you're not considering maybe it didn't change. Maybe nothing happened, right? Your brain latches onto maybe something did happen again. Boom, fire alarm goes up. It's self-protection. Watch out. Make sure things are okay, right? So we're fighting against that, but you can point out, all right, my brain's trying to suck me back into the rumination cycle. I see how it's happening. I can see how my my anxiety is just tapping right into what I'm afraid of most, using um, using very out there, non concrete, speculative evidence, and rounding it up to hardcore evidence. It ain't the same, right? Because it doesn't happen in other areas of our life, right? Car was fine yesterday. I mean, well, so for some people, you're going to say, that is how it works. That works for me. You know, my car works yesterday, but you know what? I drive today and it's the whole thing's going to explode. Sure, it's possible, but it's really, 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 really unlikely. But to try to figure out exactly the numbers and the percentages and the likelihoods that something bad did happen all of a sudden 
it, it, it's an entire waste of my time. So Raymond, it, is, it, it, it sounds like this, would, this has been an entire waste of your time. What would you rather do with your effort and energy and time and attention? Probably something else. So that's where, again, we say, you know what, maybe, maybe you did. Well, if it did, that would suck. But you know what, until it happens, I'm going to go do this. We kind of unintentionally, not unintentionally, um, intentionally, actually, we kind of hang our hat on what the doctor said. I'm going to, I'm going to put that into action, put my trust into action by letting it go, by letting go of my effort over it and acting as if it's true. Not knowing, acknowledging, maybe, as you continue on with your life. All right, last thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you all go. Last thing, you said your, your, your fear is really triggered. Like if your heart rate goes too high, man, you're going to have a heart attack and you have a stroke, something catastrophic. Raymond, I, I'm, I'm going to trust in this that you did talk to your doctors, and your doctor said, you know what, your heart is fine. Again, we're going to trust that, right? So what we have to do then is to practice increasing your heart rate. What I'll recommend with this is, again, you, you can talk with your doctor about this, talk with your, your, your therapist about this. They, they know you a lot more than I do. But as what we want to do is to practice stepping into the fear, letting ourselves have anxiety and showing ourselves that the compulsions aren't the thing that keep us safe, meaning compulsion of avoidance, making sure that the heart rate doesn't go too high, or compulsions of either reassurance, telling myself, you know what, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine right? Or of neutralizing, right? My heart rate goes up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take some deep breaths and I'm going to do this other thing and it's going to bring my heart rate down to a safe place, right? Okay. <clears throat> we want instead, slowly but surely, increase your heart rate without doing your compulsions or whatever it is and saying, I'm, I'm going to be anxious. My anxiety is going to be there and I'm going to see what happens. We're going to see. And how soon after you exercise do you think you're going to have that heart attack or your stroke? Like an hour, 10 minutes, five minutes, like a minute after you start your heart rate going up? That's what we want to test. Let's say it's five minutes. Great. You're going to do like five burpees. And then you're going to notice your heart rate's gone up and you're going to put your hand over your heart to feel it and to confirm, yeah, it is, it is elevated. And then you're going to put a timer on for five minutes. And we're going to see. And after five minutes, well, did your heart explode? Did you have that stroke? Now, again, all of this sounds really scary, and all of it is, you know, kind of th throwing caution to the wind, I suppose, though we are trusting what your doctor has said, right? Okay. And you would, again, you do this with your car. You go and you get it fixed. They say, looks fine. You get in your car and you go on with your day, trusting that what they've said is accurate. Okay. We're putting that into place here. All right. So let's say five minutes went by. Great. No heart attack. Awesome. 10 more burpees, and then we're going to wait six minutes and we're going to see what happens now you can do this i've worked with folks who have this worry about their heart rate and it uh, resulting in you know resulting in heart attack resulting in death so we start an exercise routine right slowly but surely i will have somebody go and confirm with their doctor that they are healthy enough to participate in exercise and i can work with your doctor or you know your therapist i i worked with this person but you can work with your doctor your therapist can work with your doctor to try to confirm like what would be healthy generally speaking in these cases they've said like their heart's fine they can do whatever they want great so we're going to start small you're going to walk for 20 minutes three times a week. 
And we're going to say, we're going to see what happens. And you're going to slowly, slowly increase that. And all of it is going to be challenge or uh, uh, disconfirming your fear, right? If that fear is, if my heart rate's rate goes too high, I'm going to have a heart attack. Great. We need to test that. So that's going to be one of the most important things for you to do. And like I talked about at the top of the show, scripting can help writing out a story about how your heart rate went too high and that you got a panic attack or that you had a heart attack or you had a stroke and something catastrophic happened. Or like, is it death? Is it... just feeling physical pain? Is it feeling like out of control, right? That might be certain, well, that might not be, not that might be, that is something to consider is like, what is what is the concern here? Is it just outright death, right? Um, is it is it a fear of just having pain? Is it a fear of, of maybe just physical breakdown and not being as functional as you used to be, right? It, it, it could be almost anything, but it's important to hash this out, think about this with your therapist, because that will help direct other exposures. I still think what, we're, what you will have to do is to increase your heart rate and to tolerate the discomfort that comes with it. But there might be a lot of other things going on here. And Raymond, I'd just encourage you to, you know, chat with your therapist, chat with your treatment team about all of those options and what those sound like. So, All right. I think I've done enough yammering for today. So Raymond, again, thank you so much for this question. Uh, For anybody else out there, if you have a question and would like to send it in, go over to fearcastpodcast.com or go over to to Instagram at fearcastpodcast, send me a question over there. Um, As always, if you think that I missed something, send me a message over at fearcastpodcast uh, or Instagram, I suppose. And and let me know, and I'll, I'll add a addendum or a correction or, or whatever I need to say at the time to, um, or just an addition, who knows. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I'll leave it there. All right. Uh, please remember, everybody, that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Click on the Find Help link, and there's going to be some stuff up there for you that might help point you in the right direction. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.